720 WGN. Hello, it's Amy Guth here on the Saturday Night Special. Thanks for being with us tonight. I hope you're warm and dry wherever you're listening from because it's yuck out there. Not looking forward to running back outside after this, but uh, then I'll be home and cozy warm myself. So we are joined now by a very special guest. That is Deborah Douglas. She is a multimedia journalist who has just... It, we have just learned in the last, I don't know, week, days, something like that, that she is a recipient of a 2019 Studs Turkle Award, which is so exciting. What a like wonderful, you know, Chicago honor there. Deborah, thanks so much for being with us this evening. Thank you so much, Amy, for having me. Oh, so glad to have you with us. Such an honor. And so, you know, you have most recently, well, you do a lot of things. You, you are a woman <laughs> with many spinning plates, but, uh, and wearing a lot of hats, but, but, but some of the work that's included in the body of work that you're being honored for is your work around the MLK 50 project where you're the managing editor. Tell us about that project, if you would. Yeah, well, one reason I'm so honored to get this award is because the Turco Award honors Chicago journalists. And so I do work in Chicago and outside of Chicago. And MLK 50 Justice Through Journalism is a nonprofit website that focuses on the economic realities of Memphis, Tennessee. Um, it's the second largest poor metro in the nation. And it's where a lot of Chicagoans come from because we're a lot of great, great migration babies. And so this project um, of centering the people instead of the power is my way to express myself journalistically through my great migration identity. As I said, you do lots and lots of things, and, and MLK 50 is but one of them. And, and I, I think it's so interesting how your work in particular, as you said, you do move around a lot and travel around a lot. And I think it's very interesting, not only the connection that you just mentioned between Memphis and Chicago, but also um, the way that so much of the work in the MLK 50 project connects past and present. So so very seamlessly, almost sometimes in an alarmingly seamless way of to show us like, here were things that were problems decades ago that perhaps are still a problem, but they maybe look different, or maybe they don't. Maybe they're just, you know, in a different space now that I think is really, really fascinating. Tell us about that, if you would. Yeah, so basically, we're keeping score. Uh, We started out uh, as a year-long project, and when I say we, I meant my friend uh, Wendy, the founder and editor of MLK50. I'm the managing editor. She's a longtime columnist in Memphis, uh, the only columnist of a major daily in Memphis who wasn't Ida B. Wells. So that's another spooky connection there. Um, but we knew that going into the 50th commemoration of Dr. King's assassination in Memphis, that there would probably be a lot of back padding, people looking to say, oh, look how far we, we've come. We're so enlightened now. And we're like, the city is really poor and power is distributed unequally like it is in so many other places. And so let's do some real journalism that actually flips the script, that really shifts the paradigm and says, let's do some journalism from the standpoint of the people who need it most, which is the people who live here. And they happen to be, you know, um, almost 34% poor, uh, 44% poor children, and then, you know, across the, the, the gamut, um, with, you know, the, the other particular categories, economic categories. And so this, to me, is like a model that can be stretched and scaled to other cities in terms of how we look at the practice of journalism and how we figure out how to connect with people in a real, authentic way. Certainly. I mean, it is a different, um, it is a different approach to journalism than, than we normally see, which is a really fascinating thing, uh, to see and to watch. 
And and yet still, you know, as I open by saying the MLK 50 project is is one piece of the body of work because you do so many things when you um, when. Well, I have three questions here. I'm trying to ask you all at once. So let me just take a breath and not do that. Yeah. And just ask okay. them one, one at a time because we got a couple segments here. But but one of them is when you kind of pull back and look at all the things that you're you're working on now, there's certainly a lot of themes through your work. And, you know, I, I ask that because. People say that to me sometimes. They're like, oh, you, you do a lot of different stuff. How do you keep track? And to me, it's all very connected about storytelling and narrative. And, and I suspect a lot of your work is that way. How would you characterize your, your body of work, you know, over the last couple of years that you've worked on thematically? Right, right. So you're right. I do a lot of things. So I'm a college professor. I teach thought leadership, so I help un- amplify other upper underrepresented voices. But I'm not doing like a million things. I'm doing one thing. And when the one thing that I'm doing is centering people and not power in all my storytelling. So when I write about for Oprah magazine, I wrote about uh, advances in sunscreen and how there are sunscreens that are, that are now um, increasingly made for African-American skin. Well, you know, that is centering people in the story as opposed to, you know, the, the default identity of people who you would normally think of would use sunscreen. And it's, a, it's an Oprah article. Um, I've written for American Prospects and Truth Out based in Evanston. And it's really about, you know, um, amplifying marginalized voices, unheard voices. There's no such thing as a voiceless person. Um, everybody has a voice. We just have to listen to those voices. And so what I'm trying to do is what I always wanted to do uh, since getting into this field is to listen to people. I decided I wanted to be a journalist when I was eight years old because I was short. I would look up at the adults, and I could see that if they would just shut up for a minute and just listen to each other, they would realize that they were closer to the answer than they were apart. And so, to me, this is just my opportunity to do that in covering wrongful convictions in Chicago, um, in covering economic justice. I mean, you you name it, you know, it's about people. Yes, certainly. Well, you, you've already kind of started down the path of what I wanted to ask you next, and that is what initially brought you to journalism and, and helped you know that this was, you know, for you? And, and where was that starting place for you professionally? Yeah, I'm from like the Watergate generation. So a lot of people wanted to get into people that I matriculated through journalism school with. I went to Northwestern. I went to Medill. I taught there. Um, you know, they were um, they were convicted by the the Watergate um, results, uh, holding people accountable. And I always uh, always was attracted to that part of it. But I also was attracted to um, going to put to center people who are who you don't normally see uh, because I know what it's like being in newsrooms. I was the top editor at the Chicago Sun-Times for many, many years. And I know what it takes to stand in the middle of a room and say, you know, there's this nuance about this community that you need to understand. There's a story that we need to tell and to have to fight to tell that story. And it's something that beautiful that happens once you actually you put people out front and um, you, you bear witness to their experience, or you give them the floor to tell their story. I mean, because this is how the you know the world is shaped is by story. Now, I have this like internal struggle about you know what what really matters is it stories or is it numbers? Because you know, as a journalist, I'm kind of a math folk. Mm-hmm. Although I can do math, I just don't like to do math. <laughs> but even math is a story. 
So story trumps everything as far as I'm concerned because it speaks to stakes as in what are the highest stakes in terms of who lives and who dies, um, who gets a chance to survive or who gets a chance to thrive, right? And so um, to me, storytelling is like one of the most powerful things that we can do because we get up every day and we tell ourselves a story. And if you have a good experience or a bad experience, just trace it back to the story. Mm, that's a that's a good quote. I've got to write that one down. That's a very good one. <laughs> you know, when you're talking about the importance of diversity and inclusion in newsrooms, I'm reminded just a few hours ago on the air, I had a conversation with a journalist who had written about how there is there are so many female leaders in the front office of the Philadelphia Eagles organization and kind of, uh, you know, this journalist had compared other NFL, um, you know, other, I'm sorry, other sports uh, teams across sport, and kind of what that looked like. And what was interesting, thing is the Eagles had hired specifically for, you know, they were saying it wasn't that we went after women necessarily. We weren't trying to fill a quota per se. What we went after was diversity of thought in order to fill gaps of, you know, of blind spots and understand nuances about about different parts of industry and different different stakeholders, which I thought was kind of an interesting, you know, an interesting piece there when we're thinking about who who has the wheel in our newsrooms and who's telling the story and 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 are we are are we using all the voices to the you know to the best of our, our ability. I think that's an interesting, you know, an interesting point that we need to think more about right now, however, we need to take a little break. If you can st- okay. stick with us a little bit longer, because I have so many more things to ask you. Uh, but we're talking with Deborah Douglas. She's a twenty 20- 19 studs turkle winner which is very very exciting you want to go to that it is on october the 17th you can still find tickets online if you find publicnarrative.org. we're going to take a little break and we come back more conversation with deborah douglas here in a bit on 720 wgn 720 wgn it's amy guth here on the saturday night special Thanks for being with us. That's another good song. Esteemed producer Ben Anderson, you are playing some good music tonight, and I appreciate you very much. All my favorite hits. Thank you. I hope listeners, dear, I hope that you are enjoying them as well. We're on the phone right now with Deborah Douglas. She is a 2019 Studs Turkle Award winner, and she's a multimedia journalist here in Chicago and elsewhere. And of course, I think anybody who listens to Rick Kogan's program knows all about Studs Terkel. In case you don't, he's a Pulitzer-winning author, historian, and broadcaster. Of course, broadcaster. we got to say that part. He was host of the Studs Terkel program on WFMT from 1952 to 1997. That's a whole lot of show content right there, for sure. But nonetheless, we have Deborah Douglas on the phone with us, talking about all of her work through the MLK 50 Project and many, many other things. So, Deborah, I want to focus on this award that's coming up on October 17th. It's given through Public Narrative, which is one of my favorite organizations. I really love the work that they do in this space. Uh, they give a lot of workshops and help journalists do better work and help us think through you know, new frontiers and things like that, which I think is so great. What does winning the, uh, being one of the 2019 Studs Terkel uh, Award winners mean to you? For, for like, When you heard that, what was your reaction? I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> my 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 mouth fell open like my jaw jaw dropped. I'm like, are you sure you mean me? <laughs> I thought I would never be Chicago enough to win this award. <laughs> that makes me laugh. You do. You're so Chicago. You're so Chicago. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't know how Chicago you have to be. <laughs> um, but I mean, I was born on the west side. 
think my daddy ran a business on Madison for many years. I don't know. I'm a great migration baby. How much I do you have? I mean, she probably have to be. So um, I, I thought it was an immense honor. And when I was told that, you know, they looked at my body of work and, you know, just it wasn't one thing that people had been paying attention, you know, it just really, really just touched me because, because what I do, I do for people. You know, I want people to feel heard. I want people to feel validated. And ultimately, I want us to create social policies that um, will make life better and equitable for all of us and not just some of us. And so for me, it was this validation that somebody is hearing and listening and we can make change happen. And I've actually been able to do some work where, you know, where, where that sort of thing has occurred, you know, over the course of my journalism career. So I know that can happen, but sometimes you just need to be reminded that this work really matters as difficult as it is in this, this news and news gathering environment that is really about doing it for the people. Hear, hear. I think that's so important. That's so important. I'm, I, I love hearing you say that. And so I want to ask you a, a difficult question, because I know it is always so difficult for us to, all to uh, toot our own horn, right? When when you are thinking about, you know, the body of your work and all the work that you've done in your journalism career and all the accomplishments that you have, what are the highlights to you? What are the things that you're most proud of? And the reason I ask that is this, because often sometimes the things that we're maybe known for are not, it's not necessarily the things we're most proud of. Sometimes the things we're proud of are, are smaller things. Sometimes they are big things. Sometimes it's a mix of those. What about you? What are the things to you that are the highlights and most meaningful that you're most proud of? I don't know if it's like a thing. I think it's the idea that I am the granddaughter of sharecroppers and my, both my parents picked cotton when they grew up and then they graduated high school and they moved to Chicago. And the fact that I could start small, that I had a dream about being a journalist and I went, I got into Northwestern, I worked hard to get there. And then I was, you know, I tried to take advantage of it. I crashed the graduate school reception my freshman year and got the keys to the Evanston Review when I was still 17 years old. The fact that I could start at the bottom and then work my way to the top or a top, you know, they're still like, you know, plateaus I still want to want to reach. Um, to me, just to be able to do that, to have the ability to do that, to still with all of the hard things that happen in life, the ups and downs, to be able to continue to just to have a vision and to do more on a bigger platform is something I think probably I'm proud of. Knowing full well that, you know, it takes a village to raise a journalist. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. And everybody needs an editor, right? Everybody needs an editor. I'm like, I'm super excited that I got a chance to write for Oprah magazine. Like they asked me, I didn't have to beg for it. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, all, all the pieces that I've written where I had an idea, actually had an observation. And I'm like, is this an idea? Is this something that other people are experiencing? And to be able to write something that resonates, you know, and have like an, 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 a high value audience, you know, say that it resonated and they appreciate it. To have people come to you from literally all over the world to send messages to say, I felt that, those are the things I'm proud of. <laughs> sure. And and do I remember correctly that did did you also win another award f- specifically for that piece in Oprah about sunscreen? I did. The, uh, the Skin Cancer Foundation. I got an award last year for that. <laughs> 
So many awards, so many accolades with you. That's the thing. So let's look to the present and the future. What now that you have this coming up, what what are the next things that, that you're working on in the immediate? And and then let's look kind of at the horizon of the, the next big things you want to tackle down the road. Yeah, I'm still focusing on people. And I'm, I'm African-American, so I'm really intensely interested in the African-American experience as a point of entry into the bigger story about America is not just about being an African-American, but it's about like what we mean when we consider, you know, the African-American contributions. So I'm working on a travel book for moon travel and I've been on the road um, all summer and I'm writing chapters now and I'll be on the road the rest of the fall uh, traveling the, the federally recognized civil rights trail. It hasn't been official very long, only since April tw- 2018. And this will be the first travel guide that focuses on that federal trail. And I'll get a chance to interview civil rights um, voices. I'm going to tell the story of why we take the Martin Luther King uh, holiday off. It wasn't off until the markets closed. And I know the, the backstory of how, exactly how that happened. Um, hopefully I'll be talking to um, Diane Nash for my book. Um, of course, Reverend Jackson, uh, who's just a treasure many times over. I'm talking to one of the founders of Stacks Records. There's so many people. I'm so excited. I talked to a gentleman who is connected to the Emmett Till story um, this week. So um, I'm connecting my own personal history, uh, black history, into the current moment. That I cannot wait for that project. That sounds so interesting yeah. and so just like uh, very like so up your alley. That just seems like such a cool thing that you will do so wonderfully doing uh, and do so well with. But w- as you have been, uh, you know, going down that path and and starting that project and getting into it, what has been most surprising to you about that work so far? Well, because the trail is in the south. Um, when I'm when I'm looking at my phone, following my my GPS, my Google Maps to find a marker or a statue or a building or a thing, I always have to pass a doggone Confederate to get there. <laughs> so to me, that speaks to the tension that we're living in in our society right now. That we have to interface with ideas that we may not agree with in order to, to find our truth and to find our path. And I don't know what that, what the, what the overall meaning of that is going to end up being for me, but I just, I find it interesting, like a working metaphor for my work. <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet it's it's interesting. <laughs> so, what's the timeline on that project? Because I, I, I know I can't wait to see it. I'm sure listeners feel the same. Um, it's coming out um, midwinter, early spring. That's not- I'll beg you again. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I was like, you're gonna have to come back because that's not soon enough. We're gonna we're gonna need to hear from you again before all that. Well, unfortunately, we are we are running out of time here. I wish I had much more time to talk with you. So for those of you who follow me on Twitter, I'm gonna be sure and tweet out links to all this stuff. But where can people follow your work now? Where shall they go with questions or follow up comments for you online? I really want to talk to people on Twitter. So follow me at DeadlineDD. That's D-E-A-D-L-I-N-E-D-D. I got that because I used to volunteer for Streetwise, and I was the only one who turned my stories in on time. DeadlineDD. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Of course you were the only one who turns your stories in on time. Good for you. Well, 
Well, thank you. I so appreciate you talking with us. And, and we'll we'll all see you on October 17th at the Studs Terkel Award ceremony. There, there are four others with you and two other interesting awards this year that, that are a little bit different than a Studs Terkel Award. So very much looking forward to celebrating with you and, uh, and hearing more about it all then. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you. I appreciate your time. All right. So coming up, I'm going to get you to news and all that good stuff. We're going to take a break. For those of you who maybe tuned in late, missed the beginning of the show, something like that, certainly we will have podcasts posted at WGNRadio.com. And again, for those of you who follow me on social media, I love to send out links to all the stuff and uh, let you know. That way you can find these articles for yourself and you can read them and you can find the books, all the things we talk about. All right. We're going to take a break here on 720 WGN.